Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 151. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by Colby's Nicole O'Connor and Maggie Hayden to speak about preschool. Nicole and Maggie talk to us generally about when a child is ready for preschool and important aspects of a successful preschool experience. They also talk to us about Colby's new preschool program that incorporates play, wonder, and beauty, and the online labs available to students and parents in the online academy. Be prepared for all of this and more in this episode. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Stephen, how's the week going so far? We're off to an early start this week. Yes. As we're recording this, daylight savings time has just begun here for many of us, and we've got a bit of a cold spell to boot, so right. it's a right not perfect, but we'll make it through. Indeed. Yes, we will. That's the spirit. I did not it did not register with me when I scheduled this that it was the day after daylight savings time. But however, we've got some pros here that we're gonna make the best of it. So uh, we're continuing our series of enrollment season episodes today for looking at the 2023-24 school year. Um, listeners may have heard mentions mentions of a preschool program rolling out next year. And so we have Nicole O'Connor, um, elementary online learning director, and Maggie Hayden, our curriculum director, here to tell us all about it. Hi, ladies. Thanks for coming back to visit with us. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Hi. I'm very excited to talk about this program. Thanks for having us. Sure. It's always great to talk to you. And I'm really excited to hear about this. I, I know something like this doesn't come together overnight. So what all has gone into crafting this program? Right. Well, I guess I can start out here first. Um, this is this was a program that the initial conversation was when, when I started as Colby's curriculum director, one of the very first things Mary Rolls and I talked about was the fact that we needed to have some kind of program for little kids to, to do just because partly it's fun. That was one of the first things that we were talking about, but it also then came together because Nicole has taught in a preschool in the past, and she had all sorts of little great crafts and ideas and um, little uh, directed, you know, games that she had played in the classroom with the kids that really got me thinking when we were starting this, because I was thinking that is something so many parents had told me they didn't know how to play with their children, you know, what to do, well, yeah. how to play with it, tell them to go off and play and they don't want to go off and play. How do I, how do I help them? What, what kinds of games should they play? And then I also realized there's a huge difference um, from like our generation to this generation because we didn't have iPads. Right. So we had to play with toys mm -hmm. and you had to be creative and you had to come up with games and kids today don't have to do that. So it, it occurred to me that there are so many games from the past that were really things that like I saw what Nicole was putting together for her little preschool group that hit me. A lot of parents don't know about those games. They brought back memories to me. Um, but their kids did them in school or they never did them or they were on iPads. And I, when I was talking to little kids just around the area too, they didn't know so many kind of classic games. So that was one of the um, the starting points was just this desire to communicate with parents, just all these fun sorts of games they can play with their children and the reasons for it, that there are different kinds of games. You want your children to be creative. You also... You know, games like Simon Says had a reason. Um, you wanted kids to be able to follow rules and um, and there are consequences for things and pay attention. And then I wanted the children to learn manners, games that involve manners and safety. So there was a lot of that that went into kind of the initial kickoff of this idea of a preschool program. Uh, Nicole, do you have anything you want to add here? Or do you want me to jump into more? I love how you started by saying when you and Mary Rolls were talking and talking about how fun it would be. And it really is. When I think back, 
uh, my years, I, I was on the board of a, a co-op preschool and then I served as their reading instructor. And when I think back on that season of my life, it's just so, it was so much fun. Like just playing the games, you get to kind of, you know, be a kid yourself. You're playing the games with them. And and I will admit as a parent, I do struggle with, with like my kids love imaginative play. And that's a struggle for me. I love it, but it's definitely not my strong suit. I love playing more of like the logic. I love playing Uno with my kids and playing some of those number games or red light, green light, or um, things that are kind of working them towards executive functioning. But when we're playing princesses or tea parties, I run out of things to say. Yes. Uh, so it's always a lot of fun. I love designing games that would help kids work towards literacy. So that's something that I really am excited about in this program is when we think about what the online labs are going to be, what are those fun games they can play in that little, you know, time that they're together with other kids that they don't even realize that they're learning. Uh, they don't realize that the, you know, the little thing, you know, it's like maybe an A, but it's in a bug and they're swatting the flies or whatever. It's really leading them towards learning to read. So uh, yeah, all for the fun. And in the games that we've come up with for the kids, there are things like that, like even games like war, it's kind of a classic card game, but little children can quickly learn how to count because they're motivated in this game and they start to notice the card pattern. So that's a natural start. It's just, it's things like that over the years, I've found these games that are really helpful for teaching children certain skills as Nicole saying, the reading and uh, math and, and memory skills, the kind of pre-memory with like memory games. So those games are school, but they're fun. And uh, it's it's also nice because if you have a child who's imaginative and ex extremely imaginative, they want to do it their way. They always want, well, now, now we're going to play this and you do this and I do this and you have to say this. And they're always directing everything. And that's great, but they'll never be a good teammate if they aren't able to follow somebody else's directions. And um, I've seen that a lot with children who have that really high imaginative abilities with imagination. They sometimes can't do and don't do the basic things. So that executive function, as Nicole was talking about, is something that if you don't make them do other games when they're young, you might have more problems later on. They'll be the kinds of kids who say, oh, I know how to do this kind of math problem. So I'm not going to write out the steps because I don't need to. So you're training them. This is a life. This is an opportunity to have fun with your kids, spend time with your kids, and then train them to do things that will actually help them later in life. So that was, that was the start. Okay. You'll just jumped in and answered all of my questions right away. I was going to be like, okay, well, isn't preschool just play and fun? And like, okay, well, some, you know, helping people to know fun games to play, that makes sense. And then, oh, but now we're actually going to be building tools with these things that are helpful for future learning is okay. Yeah. You've answered all my questions. It's, it sounds like fun <laughs> in just like five minutes. She's efficient that way. <laughs> time in their life too, right? It's it's so you know preschool is one of the easiest, but also most complicated educational windows, right? Because sure, play is so important, and they can't. We do want them just run outside, play in the dirt, make mud pies. All that is so important, and and it's part of them, you know, exploring the world around them, and you know, putting awe and God's creation around them. That's all top of the list. <laughs> But then there's also, yeah, just the those skills of taking turns and things that require more intentionality on the parent's part. And that's the part that's so hard when you're a busy mom or a busy parent, you have a lot going on and you need to know how to set up a game that has a desired outcome. Okay, my child is really struggling with losing. <laughs> you know, they're crying every time they lose cards or Moncala or whatever it is. Um, and so then, you know, coming up with activities that can be ordered for the specific skill is something that I think came out of this. That would be great. Yes. Yes. And uh, as Nicole mentioned for a busy mom, that was the other thing. There are so many great games out there that take so much setup and prep from a parent that, well, it's great. If you're the mom who has, you know, five, six kids or you're working or whatever, you, you feel guilty because you get to the end of the day and you're talking to a friend and your friend says, 
well, my kids got to do this, this, and this today. And you're thinking I'm a failure because I got dinner on the table, but what else did I do? And I don't, I don't play with my kids. I don't have time to play with my kids. So one of my desires here was to find games that were easy for parents to just implement things. It doesn't require a lot of preparation. You get a few supplies. We even have supply lists for people. Just these are the things you need. You can go to the grocery store, get gear, get the stuff and you're set. And we have seasonal menus. You can put it up on your refrigerator. So every Friday you pick a game from your menu list and it's right there. What supplies and it takes you, you know, five minutes or so for preparation and you're off. And so you can, you have that window. It can even be you're making food for the kids and you're and the preschoolers in the kitchen with you. Most of these are things you can do while you're doing something else and they're there with you. So but then we went from there into all sorts of other things. We started with play. Um, and then Nicole and I were having a conversation about the need to expose these little guys to beauty because they respond at this age. They're like little sponges. They want what's beautiful and then also memory work. So we ended up um, having supplements in the back where we have prayer lists that they can memorize and we teach them the prayers and we have, we incorporate it into their journal. So they're doing the prayers and uh, thinking about the prayers and cutting out images they paste about the prayers and having images to color. And then uh, also poetry, the same sort of approach with fun poems that little kids just love, things that are good for them with like um, finger play as well, like bird talk, you know, uh, or thinks, uh, think said the Robin, think said the Jay, very sing-songy, very upbeat, the, the, uh, talking about animals, which is what the little guys love. And so you, you have things like that. And then we also added in an art component where we added in beautiful works of art because we wanted to expose the children at this age to, you know, looking at the paintings and noticing. And then, uh, Nicole, do you want to talk about what you're doing with that in the online program? Yeah, so the curriculum is really the foundation of the program. So we have the beautiful imagery in there. We have, you know, the poems, as Maggie mentioned. And so what we're looking to do with the online labs is just take that further. So to sing the songs together with the students to do, you know, the finger play songs and the counting and things so they can see each other and, and interact with each other. Um, I also hope to have them kind of to practice those manners and those presenting skills, not presenting in the sense you think about it in high school, but just show and tell or, you know, getting in front of their classmates. Maybe we'll have them dress up nice one day to talk about their bird talk poem or things like that. So looking to have opportunities to just grow their wonder, grow their confidence, and then also teach, like we said before, some of those life skills that um, they get at home, I'm sure. But when there's a teacher in front of them who's holding them to those manners or to those different games and things, um, it really takes it a little further. And I'm excited because I know for a lot of little kids, learning a poem is great, but then they have to, they want to recite it. And you have a window where they're comfortable doing that. So having a teacher in a class where they can go into and recite the poem is going to be really good for uh, the, a lot of those little kids are just going to love that kind of thing. Then they're comfortable for the future. They can do it again because they've done it before. And then um, has the best story. Kindergarten, all the, they're so eager to share too. So it's, it's fun. You know, they have, they have that preliminary conference confidence. Many of them, they, they want to share all the things about their pets and their friends and all that. But then also, you know, the them having the affirmation of doing a good job for hard work and things like that is also such a great benefit. Yeah. And and we included, like uh, Nicole is saying, those uh, finger plays. The finger plays are there. That's obviously um, easier, to, you know, fun to do in a group. That's a really a good group activity. But even without having that we've done things like we've found uh we have a book and a um song that goes one for each quarter that they can go through and lists of other classical music pieces that are kind of classic for the kids to listen to and maybe draw while they're you know listening um but things like for example peter and the wolf the instruments make sounds that sound like the 
um, like the music, you know, and you, and you read the story. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Right now I'm hearing the sound and it stands for this animal. So it's things like that to help them notice things in the music. We have, I think, four different ones for the first year. I know another one is Sleeping Beauty, which is kind of a classic story. So you can get the the children to listen to how the music is impacted by the story and make that connection between the music and the reading. And then we're, we have reading lists as well with different kinds of stories. We'll have like a uh, animals and nature section and a family story section and religious stories. And the parents can read one of those a week. And then there's other uh, recommended stories. If they like that one, there's something else they can you know listen to or the next week. And I think we'll be doing some of the reading as well in the um, online classes, I think. Yeah, we will. The teachers love doing read alouds with them and getting them involved in the read alouds. So that'll be a part. I think it's Tuesdays that we have a reading readiness lab. So in that, it'll be um, a lot of those great reads happening in there. It sounds great already. You've mentioned several components of it that are very appealing and and clearly well thought out and coming from a lot of experience. Would you give us sort of an overview of how it works, how it's kind of set up? It sounds like I'm, I'm hearing both some work at home and some online work. It sounds like sort of a hybrid model in a way that might not be the word that you would prefer to use. So would you kind of give us sort of just a high level? Yeah. 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 Well, I can start with by giving an overview of where what we we kind of when we started this, Nicole and I both came up with the idea that in preschool it needs to be mom mom driven, family driven. It's a so we made some we have some books that are the actual basis of the curriculum. There's a workbook, um, we have a workbook, a journal, and a look and learn. Those are the kind of the core components. Then our course plan for this grade level is very different from any other course plan we've done. It's using it pulled all those resources in that we've talked about and the experience of the online teachers with a, a different sort of layout of um, the scheduling. So it's very easy for a mom to just kind of look at and see, it looks like a calendar. Uh, what you do, what do you do every day? Just quick little um, things in there. And it has um, just, you know, so very short, concise, very visually simple but uh, layout for the parents. So we made that. And that's something we think every family would start with. They would go through those books. And I can talk more about the books. So I'll talk about that part. But then Nicole can explain, like, the online program is a supplement to that. It's doing additional things that go along with what we, you know, these still need the core text. Those will not be replaced. Okay. Right. So if you're thinking about it from an enrollment perspective, those of you who have enrolled with us before, um, they enroll as a full-time standard student. So our preschoolers are homeschool students. They're enrolling in our in the homeschool program, essentially. And that's the full components that uh, Maggie's been discussing, the books that we've created, and then the extensions and the course plan. And so the family is following that course plan um, and doing it, you know, at the at their pace, but the thing about preschool that's really great is it is very much tied to the calendar, the year, what what holidays are happening, what celebrations are happening, um, what are what are they learning in religion based on what time of year it is. And so we looked at the course plan that's in, you know, that's in, given in the homeschool curriculum that's been created, and we're matching that in the online labs, but not exactly. So if you got out of sync, right, with with the course plan for homeschool, but still wanted to do the online labs, the activities that are in there will be standalone enough that they could come and participate and still and not feel totally lost if, if the pacing gets off. So highlighting some of the really beautiful artwork that's in our program, um, highlighting some of the great reads that are in our program, that's all going to happen. But then there's going to be the games and the songs and things where whether they've done their weekly work for preschool or not, they're still going to come and have fun in the lab. So um, they're very much just meant to, like Maggie said, it's an extension of the homeschool. It's uh, for that social piece. It's for them to take pride in their work and have a space to share that work. Um, and also just to work on some of those, those skills that maybe might be overlooked at, you know, when you're doing all the things at home or might just have a different opportunity to be um, demonstrated in the labs. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then. And then the books themselves, that's those cover all the core core subjects. So we have 
in our workbook, which is, uh, it looks, you know, it's kind of cute, like little workbook pages for the student. They do about eight pages a week in that. And we have them organized so that you just go through eight and then another eight, then another eight. They're not, you don't have to jump around to different sections. Um, so each week they'll do like four math and logic pages and a reading page and a couple of handwriting pages that are appropriate to their level. And maybe a science uh, science exercise or health and safety worksheet. We have different kinds of um, things there that they get to do. And that's what their workbook is like. So you just go through eight pages at, at a time. And if you did fewer, it wouldn't matter because you'll do, we separated them out. So you might do two math pages and one English page. And then, you know, you'd come back and do another couple of math pages. But it's just, it's all laid out for the parents. Like just go to the very next page and they're getting all their core subjects. The way we put it together with that book was just research as to what little kids are good at doing. We looked at a lot of different things, what's out there. We had a lot of little uh, uh, children in our curriculum department who, uh, children of people who worked for us and teachers who volunteered and friends of teachers. And it was just wonderful. So we had a lot of the uh, pieces tested. So just to make sure spacing was right, instructions were clear, activities were engaging. So I feel very confident going in that we've done enough testing with this product to know that the worksheets are age appropriate and the children are enjoying them. Um, and the math and logic, it was, it was both areas. It's, you know, very basic counting up to, you know, like 10 by the end, which is what you'd expect. But we did things like um, find which house this person lives in. And we have like a little grid. They don't live in the house with the dog. So you can mark this off and, you know, and things like uh, categorizing which thing doesn't belong. So we're working on a lot of different uh, logic skills along with the math. And the writing was all directional. You know, it was uh, moving the pencil across the paper, scribbling uh, the stars, developing their motor control in this stage throughout the book so that they're doing the hardest things at the end and they're starting with really easy things. Even the mazes at the beginning are very basic and they get more complicated at the end. We simply teach uh, letters to the kids, just the very basic letters, sounds, names, tracing them. For little kids, it's important not to just trace with a pencil, but trace with your finger. So we have finger tracing exercises for them as well. And then the science are all quick, easy things. You can, you'll find the supplies in your house. And we have fun little things where we um, have them do an experiment and then draw what they've observed. So the children actually have an activity following up after they've done something. So that was our workbook. And then our um, look and learn uh, kind of it started as part of the workbook. And then we pulled it out because we wanted it to be on beautiful paper and look just so gorgeous. We had we have works of art and questions to guide the children. Some are very um, practical questions like how many sheep do you see in the picture? Because that's observation. And there's just like two or three, or can you find a horse? And there's a horse in the corner, but some of them are uh, more imaginative. What would you be smelling if you were here? What would you be thinking? Can you tell a story? What game would you like to play? So we have these questions to encourage observation and attention to detail and creativity. But we also had fun things like we'd have two pictures and one of them would have a purple um, curtain and the other one will have a blue curtain and they get to choose which, you know, is, what's the difference. So we're having them notice just basic differences at this level too, which is an important skill to be able to make that discrimination. And then we included beautiful religious artwork and uh, we focused on the seven I am statements for the children. So seven things that Christ said, I am this, or I am that because that's an important thing to give them that imagery of Christ who should be their first, you know, other than their family, since we're focusing on what they know, they know Christ. So here are the seven things Christ said he was. And then we have the seven parables of Christ and beautiful artwork to go with that. So that was our look and learn book. And then the journal works with the course plan, but it has really cute little cut and paste and it's working on all the motor skills activities that we had. And, and it goes with the, um, again, religious symbols. 
We have a book called Religious Signs and Symbols and a little uh, Bible book, which they can do. And then they can and, and they can cut out images and paste them in the book and think about those like the triangle representing the Trinity and things like that. So that was our program. It's all sounds so integrated. You get all the all that has gone into it. Much like the the rest of the Colby curriculum they will encounter as they continue to move through their school years, the, the integrated Colby, Colby curriculum starts it starts now. It sounds just amazing. Uh, I wanted to mention at this point, and I'll mention it again, that Maggie and Nicole have given a webinar on the preschool program. I will include a link to that in the show notes. In that they they go into greater detail and show examples from the materials that have been produced in house at Colby. It's been wonderful to see that coming from the Colby Publishing Division, and and the other materials that go along with it. So, if you're listening now and thinking I want to find out more, but um, it's I don't have a way to write it down or anything, that we will include a link to that in the show notes. So uh, I'll mention that again here at the end. So, um, I remember you saying something, Nicole, about parent monthly meetings with the online component. Would you say a bit about that to to go along with? The other components? Sure. So when I was on the board of the preschool that I served at previously, we had meetings with monthly meetings with the parents. And I always looked forward to it. It was one of my favorite parts because you're all kind of in the trenches going through the same things. You know, the things that are on your mind as a as a young a new parent for some and as a veteran parent for others. And so uh, when we were talking about doing preschool, that was one piece that I felt needed to be a big part of the program was the parent community, the parents kind of getting together to discuss um, what they're doing for their child and also to have a resource or someone who could kind of answer questions or just kind of guide that conversation. So the goal for those parent monthly meetings is for kids who are enrolled in those online labs and their parents will be part of a, a group that meets once a month. And they'll talk about ways to integrate the faith into their home life. And so we have our liturgical living email that goes out every month from Colby. So they'll use that material as part of what they discuss. So feast days, saints, things that are coming up and ways you can bring those to the elementary and the preschool level. So, you know, are you baking a cake on this day? Or here's a fun recipe. Here's the salt dough that we do for Lent. Um, that's one of my favorites in our family. We make a salt dough and we put all the toothpicks in for the thorns, oh, yeah. uh, the crown of thorns. And we like take them out as we do sacrifices. So things like that, that, you know, maybe, a, you know, one mom has something she's been doing forever and another mom's just looking for new ideas. And so sharing that, um, the other piece will just kind of be talking through vir the virtues and the curriculum that they're working on. So here's kind of, here are the, the skills we're looking to work through in preschool for this month. You know, how is that going? What are some ways we can do this better? Um, and so, yeah, it'll be on the first Thursday of every month is the plan at this point uh, where we'll get together in a video platform, kind of like live class. And we'll all be uh, students of preschool together <laughs> to discuss. It's really nice that you, the community, you can have that community around you and get that support if you if you need it or want it. And, and it's nice to know it's have a reminder that it's there as well of course so when you're enrolled with colby you've got this community out there but you don't always get to see them so it's a this will be nice definitely okay so how can families determine if if their youngsters are ready for the program how do they know yeah so trying to decide when your child is ready for preschool is always an interesting thing you know a parent could just choose to use those materials when they thought their child was ready, whether that's three, four or five, it's probably going to be in that range of ages. Uh, we have a checklist at the beginning of the course plan. So parents could actually take a look at that and uh, it, at that checklist that we have in the course plan. So yes, my child is actually ready or no, I think I should wait a little bit. One of the biggest indicators is whether the child actually shows interest or not, you know, kids, little kids will say, oh, mommy, mommy, I want to do school. But then you pull out something and two minutes later, I'm done. And they're just not ready. You don't push it. You don't make it an unhappy experience, when, they're, especially when they're young, because if you push it, then they're going to have a negative um, association with school. So you just set it aside. But when they're ready, you can tell because they actually can sustain for short periods of time. And they have basic skills. Like for this program to do the journal, you have to be able to cut and paste. 
if your child cannot cut and paste, the journal won't be something you can do easily. I mean, yes, a mom could cut and paste it for the child, but that would be hard. So maybe there'll be particular pages that a mom might want to cut and paste, but th that's the activity is something to help the children with that very uh, crucial uh, motor skill that they need to develop. So that would be an indicator. Also, just whether they show interest in numbers and letters at all. They have no interest. It's probably not the time. Now, you can also get started with some of the games and activities and see if that develops. So if you're a homeschooling mom just interested in the materials, I think that you could get this and try it with a, with a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old, and you'll know when they're ready. The five-year-old certainly would be ready. The target age group we tested were four-year-olds, but we did have some five-year-olds trying it, and they enjoyed the worksheets. They didn't think they were too babyish. And we had some three-year-olds do some of the worksheets and they could do them as well. Not everything and not every child could do them at three, but we did have some uh, some children who could. So the checklist does help, but it is really a ability of, to listen, to be interested and to have some basic uh, cutting and pasting skills and be able to hold a pencil and you know move it from one side of the paper to the other in roughly a, a straight line, that kind of thing. I would say similar guidelines. We we have um, a more narrow age guideline for online, but as far as you know, whether your child's ready, similar uh, factors can be weighed. You know, can can they follow directions? Can they sit still for periods of time? Are they interested in sitting still and doing an activity for you know more than one or two minutes? Uh, and it's a 30 minute block for the labs, but the, the teachers are always really good at making sure when they, they'll get, they'll all get wiggly and they'll do little movements and they're not just me sitting glued, staring at the screen. There's going to be interaction. So I think just knowing how your child does receiving direction, interacting, um, how they feel in front of a webcam, because some kids can have a really hard time, you know, just opening up and some will grow and get used to that, but maybe finding ways to test that out before the labs begin would be a good way to see if they're ready. Um, uh, our age cutoff for the online labs is um, they're to turn four before their first day of labs. So our labs start on September 5th, right after Labor Day. So it would be in that, as long as they're four by that time frame, then they'd be ready um, by number, by age number for the labs. But then it's going to vary by every student, whether you know, that format in particular is something that they're ready for. Um, okay. I know I definitely have my own children, one that for sure would have been ready and one that would have had nothing to do with the computer at that age. So you really have to gauge it for, for yourself on that one. You're talking about that just reminded me of I used to, well, I regularly Skype my, my parents every, every Sunday or my mother now. Uh, but getting my children in, especially when they're young at that age, and they just loved seeing themselves on the camera. And so they would be doing the craziest things. And it's like, okay, yeah, you wouldn't be ready necessarily for for the class here at this point. Give, give them another year and see if we could do that. But that's that's funny. Family Skype sessions. That's hilarious. That's a great test. We've, <laughs> had, we, we've had varying levels of success with family Skype. Yeah, it's a good warm up to it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, that's helpful. That's great that you all have those um, guidelines for determining how how you know how if the kids are ready and how the program will work for a particular family and their particular set of dynamics and circumstances. Okay, that's great. I just love the the constant reiteration of the focus on joy too. So you're learning all these things, but it's it's fun. You know, some I, I this just keeps coming up in our conversations where we kind of seem to lose that a lot in schooling, where you stop realizing that you have this great gift in, in in reading about or discovering all these things and seems like that's it's never more true than in pre-k where, where yeah if it's too hard just put it aside it's that's okay it'll come back to it later it's it's all right i like that seems to set up that we get to do this rather than we have to do this we have to do this. that we hope to that we hope to preserve that we get to attitude for, for the duration yeah Okay, well, I'd love to talk some more about homeschool life with littles. I can imagine uh, young children 
being very excited at the prospect of having their own schoolwork to do is if they're younger children and they see they have older siblings doing schoolwork that they have something of their own to work on. I can imagine that being at least for some kids appealing and, and having them, they would have a sense of, of pride and, and excitement about that shortly, of course, not for everyone, but let's talk about how this program integrates with a course plans for older Colby students, how, how you all see that working for a family who they've got older, older, but maybe not by much, maybe like elementary students how they're making it work with everybody. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've always found is that if you have little kids who really want to do it, do school, they do have a limited window. So your best bet as a parent is to deal with them first. Okay. If you don't deal with them first, they're going to be in bugging you every couple of minutes. So until it's their turn. So you do want to start with them if they're interested and do something quick and little. It doesn't even have to be everything you're going to do with them during the day, but just some things to get them going. Um, It's often something you do with them when they're at the table or you're out in the kitchen or something like that, because you don't have to sit next to them to work the math problem. You know, it's not like your high school child who needs help with an algebra problem and you have to sit down and work the problem with them. You can actually move back and forth and give the direction. So it's a great thing to find the times in your day where you have, you know, you're doing something you don't have to focus on as much, but you have to do it. And folding laundry is another good example. And then you're working with them uh, while they're doing it, but do those things first so that you don't lose them and, or lose your patience with them too. They're excited to get started. And it's important to remember that this is exciting for them. So you want to rejoice in them being happy about it. They want to do school. You want to send them a message that, yes, it's so good that you want to do this important thing. But also, once you start, it's important not to stop. I mean, it's one thing to start two weeks at the beginning of the year with a little three-year-old and say, okay, I made a mistake. We're just going to, you know, this this child's not ready and to wait. But if you have a four-year-old or a five-year-old and you get started and you get two months in, and then they are unhappy. You do need to keep them going with it. Uh, so that's one reason why I say things like our labs may be a really important thing for some children who can do it and just decide after a little while that they don't, because there is an inclination with children sometimes to say, "Okay, that was fun. I'm I, I've had my fill. I'm done." Yeah. And it's important to keep them going, just like keep that habit up when they can do it and they've started it, you don't want them to think that they can just get out of it because they're no longer interested. So that's the other challenge I found as a homeschooling mom and in talking to moms. It's like first couple months going really well. And then all of a sudden this child doesn't want to do it anymore. And the mistake is to make them keep, perhaps keep doing what they're doing. Like maybe they, maybe they need a break from that, but you don't stop doing school with them just because they say they they're done you can even end their school year a little earlier than their siblings but you got to keep them going so you need to find activities and things like that for them to do but the way we set up the curriculum here is sort of it's set up for that busy mom so if you're really busy and you aren't going to do the online courses and you don't have the time for the extra reading you can just use the workbook they're going to get some good things out of that the mom can use the workbook, do do a couple pages a day and meet that need. But there is all this other stuff and it's not difficult to do. And then there's opportunity for the engagement and the online, which again is not difficult. And, you know, I would not trust my little preschooler um, on a webcam without me, but this half hour, and that's why. It's not a big session. It's because parents are going to have to be there or a sibling or someone who can be responsible to help them. But what a great opportunity for them to get on the webcam. And again, you can, you know, early on, give them something formal and structured and you know they can participate in that. Yeah, I remember learning early on about classical education and the early virtues that you want to instill in your child. And it was talking about you know, obedience and discipline. Those are the early, those are essential, the fiat, right? You know, yeah. um, and so thinking about what an opportunity it is to, in the online classes, to have a 30 minute window where you're focusing on that for your child of, okay, we're going to follow the directions. We're going to stay, you know, we're staying in our seat for this period or we're doing this. 
And maybe that's your main goal. <laughs> you want them to have fun, but also it's it's a certain little window of their preschool day where maybe it's not unstructured because they need unstructured time too. That's so important. With my children, we always found we needed to rotate between unstructured play, a little bit of structured play, and then got to go back to some unstructured again, you know, because they can only handle that um, that need for boundaries for that certain amount of time, but it's so important. It really informs everything else. The one thing that we found really helpful with multiple ages at home is making sure everyone has their thing, their space. And so when we pulled out homework books for the older kids, even before the youngest had homework or anything, she had her book and maybe it was a coloring book for one season, or maybe it was stickers, but it was like, she had something that was hers that she got really excited about. And I feel like that, that was something that really helped with, um, cause she, otherwise she was, you know, waving behind the screen and getting in everyone's business <laughs> and trying to be the life of the party, which is great. But when she felt like she had her workbook and her pencil and her tools, um, it just really encouraged her to kind of challenge herself a little bit and try to, to participate in some of those activities that took a little more mental stamina. Makes sense. I find it really interesting the going back a bit toward the, the beginning of our conversation and here tying it in with what you all have just said now that the need for structure and unstructured, I think sometimes we can kind of lean a little bit too much in one way or the other direction. And and uh, hearing you go over many of the skills that are the goals of preschool in terms of uh, relating to others and being living in community with your family and the larger community, that those are easily uh, lost sight of. I think that, that here we think we're okay with preschool time, we're ready to read or, or not yet, but we're, we need to get started on these, these school skills or whatever, but these other life living, being a person in the world dimensions are, and, you know, that's as much a part of it as the academic side. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let's talk a bit, um, kind of extending from there about working and homeschooling, you acknowledge several times the the reality of so many of us being busy with many, many things happening, many demands on our time and attention. So let's talk about making, working while homeschooling, making those two work either in your families or what you've experienced through your work with Colby. Well, my experience is I have um, five children. And when I had the oldest, uh, my oldest child being the oldest wanted to do whatever I was doing. So it didn't matter what it was. It was really actually fairly easy because if I was teaching a science class, she had a science book right next to me that she was doing first, not really doing it, but thinking she was, but then, you know, actually starting to pick up things and listening to conversation and picking things up from that as well. So I would say, with um, my oldest, I found I didn't find the need for as much structure to, to build in the structure because the structure was kind of there. It was, I was the only other uh, person to relate to on a regular basis. And so she was my little sidekick when she was little. It was just, you know, I still remember, I think I had, I was teaching a high school earth science course and she got, she went and found a middle school earth science book. And she was like three and brought it in the room and sat down next to me and was opening it up and looking at the pictures and trying to find what I was talking about. So that was really good. So some children are like that. And I think that's more your older side of things. And then I had the time to do things, you know, it was, there was, my time was directed to that one. Now that I have five and I have my youngest, I, and I'm working and um, I'm not, not that I wasn't working then too, but I'm working and I have all these children, I find it very important to give each child times that they can work with me um, because I have to, I also have high schoolers I have to meet with and a job to do. But that sometimes means being very creative. Like I tend to do more of my schooling with my little guys in the summer when my older kids are off school because that's a time for more focused. Um, you know, attention that they can have first. And then during the year, I find things for them to do like the online program would have been perfect if they were that age, because I can, I don't have to do as much at that point. So I found it's really working with what you have 
what your schedule has given you and, uh, you know, finding the things that you can sort of plug in there to make, to make work. And for me, it's summer. And I love that because I get into the schooling and I'm like, I, I don't know what this year is going to be like with my older kids, but my little kids are so ahead right now. Cause I'm thinking in terms of school years, that's been really a huge motivation and help for me. It's a great idea. It's also like summertime can be so like, what do we do now? Okay. <laughs> it's a good time or it's too hot to be outside. It might as well be super cold. So to use the time that way, that's a good idea. Yeah, I know one way that I have seen just from um, working with a lot of elementary families who have multiple kids in the elementary program is that they often, sometimes they'll stagger schedules. Um, you know, some families prefer that so that they can, you know, be with the one kid in the morning and they know another has live class in the afternoon or older siblings can help younger siblings. And also they're not all using the internet at the same time. Right, so that's yeah. one way I think families have navigated it. Some families prefer all their kids are in live class because they order their homeschool day around that. So live class is kind of everyone's quiet or doing something time. And then they have more unstructured or family driven instruction and things at the times they're not in live class. So I think uh, there's a lot of that playing around with family life schedule that has to occur uh, in the beginning, especially if you're working um, as a parent where you need, you know, it depends on the kind of flexibility you have with your job, whether you can structure, you know, when your live meetings are for your job, um, either against or at the same time as the live meetings of your child. Um, yeah, I just work on the East Coast schedule <laughs> instead okay. of my normal time zone. <laughs> That's my hack. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, so apart from schooling, you know, my children, my little ones in the summer, and I'm getting to the end of that period of my life where I'll need to do that because once they can read and start to, you know, really read on their own, then, then they can, then you can handle it during the school year and have a regular school year in summer. Um, but the other thing somebody gave me as advice, and I found it to be the most, the single most helpful thing I've ever done in schooling is we talk about having your a break week at the end of every quarter with everything you can. So if you're in an online class, you do have to keep up with the schedule it's there. But in every other area, I like that week at the end to catch the kids up with whatever we need. That's a week for focus and unwind and look at, you know, what hasn't been working. It gives you, it's kind of like an examination of what hasn't been working, what child has slipped through the cracks, what subjects are going to need more time and attention. And it gives you a chance to kind of rethink your schedule and try something different. Maybe then the next quarter, you're going to be starting with a younger one when you were starting with an older one, or maybe you're going to focus on particular subjects or put something on hold for a while or you know, it's just that has been really helpful, kind of a relief at the at the end of every quarter to do that. And honestly, when the kids get to an age where they can do online classes, it hasn't been a problem because there are breaks built in there. So I've already kind of examined where they needed help there or didn't. So it's that extra week is just my time to look at the things that they're not in classes for and see what help they might need. That was something a mother who had, I think, 10 children passed on to me. And as her biggest, you know, this this saved her, her schooling. And I thought, oh, that's nice. That's just one of those other schedule things. But it's really been the single best, yeah. best thing I've ever tried to kind of get through with all my older children and all their subjects and everything. There's that there's that week where it's just a, and it's catch up, you know, when, when it's a high schooler, it's usually, Hey, you're behind in this subject. I need you to catch up this week. And then I'm looking at why did that subject fall behind? Do they need other help? Do I need to get them in a class? Do I need to reevaluate when they're doing it? Look at their schedule. So it's, it's, it's just an invaluable thing, but that works for your little guys too. It gives you a chance to look at where they've, what they've been doing, whether you've been giving them too much or too little or whether they need a break or a change and what that's going to look like for the next several weeks. So that makes sense. And so many of the Colby homeschool course plans, not all of them, but so many of them have a review week and an exam week. And if you, yeah. you can make use of those in how you need to, to 
catch up or give a little, take a little break, go on some field trips. We'll change the scenery, regroup for the next quarter. That and and I really like that looking back, reflecting sort of the examine in a way of <laughs> where we are right now, so it doesn't keep snowballing. It's great. Yep. Okay, so this is so appealing. Everything you've put into it, it, it really it sounds wonderful, and I'm excited to see how it fares the first year. I, I imagine it's going to be great and go up from there. What are next steps for families who are interested in this program? As far as the curriculum goes, they'll be um, it will be up on in our bookstore, so families can you know once they're enrolled, they'll be able to select the curriculum and see all the, the bundle of the materials that are uh, needed and purchase those. You can also just go directly to our bookstore and purchase them. And for the online program, I'll let Nicole speak to that. Okay. Yeah. So for the online, so you'll want to make sure you apply, enroll in the the Colby as a full-time standard preschool student. And then after you enroll, if you're interested in the labs, you um, have the opportunity to add those as an add-on to your um, homeschool enrollment. And so your advisor can walk you through that if you have more questions about the lab. Um, you can sign up for full-time standard now, think about it and add the labs um, in a little bit, um, as long as there's room. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I guess next step would be either to, to go through the normal enrollment process or um, speak with your advisor to get more information. All right. Well, we'll be including some links to these uh, jumping off points in our show notes. So head there to find out more about what we've talked about today and to find the links to the, the webinar that Maggie and Nicole gave here recently that goes into a lot more detail, as I was mentioning, about the the materials and how, how it works the day-to-day -day of the online lab schedule and so forth. It's always great to see you. Thank you guys for coming to tell us about this fantastic new program. I wish you all the best as it gets off the ground. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.